This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the Professor Chalbello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. The American Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. What is going on there to the Big Beetle Whites? What is going on there to the Hami Knights? What is going on there to the Magnificent Seven? The Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, the Tubular Twelve. What is going on to the Hustleites on the YouTubes if A Track is quick enough to load these? You know, he's a slow motherfucker. I keep saying that. He's a slow <laughs> goddamn motherfucker. But you know what? Neither here nor there. He He's reacting to shows from the from the 80s to 90s and then he has to keep up catch up with the mandalorian and all the other stuff that you know we asked the king of the reactions to, to react so patience reflection nice patience the video will be up so this way you can see the oh so glorious one and also the sexy time dr freakenstein himself but neither here nor there Welcome or welcome to the PWR Podcast here at the PWS Networks at Podbeam.com. I am your host with the most. I am the magnanimous one. I am the studious one. I am the stupendous one. But again, most importantly, I am the glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC, PWC, punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz. And I'm not here alone. Oh, no, 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 no. I am here with the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the man who cried. He's in my DMs. He cried when when I told him that Greta Thunberg, his favorite, his little crush, got arrested in Germany protesting coal, protesting, you know, nuclear energy, protesting, you know, the spoils of the spoils of this earth. She wants you to go natural. She wants TW to go natural. She wants T.W. to stop with the gas stoves. She wants T.W. to go with electric. I really don't get the stove issue, but that's neither here nor there because I think y'all kind of smoking the kush if you talk about gas and electric stoves, but neither here nor there. But he is your friend of mine, Mr. Thumb Dumb Doing Idiot Zone. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? Freezing, like I just told you. Um, All right, let's just get down to this stove thing right away. So, first and foremost. Oh, you 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 got issues. So, so you know what? We've never talked about this, but you mentioned something. I did something today that I haven't done in probably multiple years, but definitely at least a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what I did? Uh, I have no idea. But I listened something- to our show that we did last week. Oh, my goodness. And you I got caught- a lot of catching up to do. And I caught <laughs> uh, Ray messed up, but Ray is the guy 
He's the James Brown of podcasting, the hardest working man in podcasting. He oh, played. you mean the the, produ- the production of the intro? Yeah, I, I saw yeah. it kind of like did a loop. It but it was okay. twice, I think almost three. But it was like, choose your own adventure. I had to piece it all together. And I was like, it's like watching this boring ass promo for fucking the third time. But anyways, uh, also, <laughs> when we were talking about world titles, it, it dawned on me. I didn't finish the whole episode, but... So, we're talking about world titles. ECW's Eastern Championship changes to extreme. Makes it easier to call it a world championship, by the way, when you're not calling yourself Eastern Championship Wrestling. Um, and then we talked about me, who was who was approved when acknowledging world titles, and it just it just dawned on me when I said when you uh, when when world class and AWA merged and became the USWA. I said, that was a world title. What does USWA stand for? United <laughs> States Wrestling Alliance or Association. That should disqualify it from being a world title on its own for being called that. Um, but not necessarily. Based no, no, no. In the US. Not necessarily. Because if you remember, what was it called gimmick-wise? It was called the Unified heavyweight championship so it meant had more credence again i get what you're saying because you know it only was defended in texas and in memphis and it's not a world title i get that by the way pw hustleites the reflectionites we're doing again the reflection extra but we're doing it we're doing it earlier than we did last week so you know if you did not hear the show last week we did a pw extra pwr extra now we're doing the pwr extra extra Again, this is how this is what the show is all about. But anyway, again, for me, it's called the unified title. For me, Jerry Lawler made it feel bigger because he said, you know, he is he beat the people. He beat the AWA champion. He beat the world class champion. That's why he unified and he, he was the CWA heavyweight champion. He was the His sorry ass Memphis title, right? Yeah. So you know, he had three titles merged into one. So he had a legit world heavyweight title. Again, again, I understand what you're talking about. He didn't go to NWA to defend it. He didn't go to WWF to defend it, but he did talk about it a lot. So but did he go to Japan? Did he go to now, Mexico? I don't so know. Now let's get back to the stove. All right. This is another okay. thing. Oh, you, mentioned, you mentioned on the show last week, um, you said, you know how we come at with facts, even though, like you said, you claimed I said it, but I believe you agree with me. You said, you know how the liberal media spin stuff, wonder, right? So, yeah. so here's where we're at with the stove deal. So first of all, I'm going to take you back a little bit to green energy, right? Mm-hmm. Your favorite vice president of all time, who's still bitching Sandy got jobbed out because of pregnant chats, even though it's unconstitutional, un-American to claim elections were stolen, even though liberals have been doing it every time they lose. Al Gore was worth a couple hundred thousand dollars when he left office. He's not worth billions. Do you know why he's worth billions, Professor? Because, because he put he all to... this money into green energy and then told mm-hmm. everyone there'd be no more polar bears in 20 years. By the way, it's been 20 years. There's more polar bears than ever. So if you follow the money, you'll see why people are telling you, do this, don't do that. Al Gore's a billionaire now because of green energy. So They'll the tell Clintons. you he's sold so the, uh, that well, TV. The Clintons are, are billionaires, too, you could say. you know, they, They're multimillionaires. Who? The Clintons. Right. They went in with nothing and then became multimillionaires, too. The stove is the latest thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to believe 
that the government cares about us and that the reason they're attacking the stove is because it's it's unhealthy and it, it can trigger asthma and then they got busted that they didn't even have asthma uh, things in the damn study. Then they, can, they say, oh, it's 42% more higher chance of uh, a heart something episode happening in the home, right? So now I, I, didn't, I didn't get those news reports. I got no, a news I'm report differently. You, I'm telling you, this is what they're saying. But you know what? No, I heard. I heard differently. I heard that having gas stoves is racist. That's what I heard. Oh, so for sure. It's sure. Even though in the hood, where it's predominantly whatever, people use it to heat their fucking house. You ain't heating your house with an electric stove. I'll tell you that right now, right? Well, I got a gas stove, and when I'm cold, I, I, I hook Go into a poor neighborhood, and I guarantee you all four burners and the oven are on heating that ham house. Mm-hmm. And and I grew up with that shit. So anyhow, but be right dead. before these studies started coming out, CNN, you know, the, the most fucking direct down the middle news organization there is. The Bill Alfonso. He made fun and said it was a Republican pounce because one guy suggested we should get rid of stoves. It's a joke. You're trying to make a mole out of a, a mountain out of a molehill. Now, a week later, they're doing shows on why an electric stove is better for you and a gas stove is not. And what does an electric stove do? It ties to the green new energy deal. It ties to green energy in general. It gets rid of gas from a home. Blah, 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 blah. But here's the bigger problem. Mm-hmm. When everyone switches to electric, do you know what's going to happen, Professor? We're going to find out there's not I enough electricity to not use gas. It's already mm-hmm. happening overseas. But the bottom line is I have an electric stove. I promise you every day of my life I wish it was gas every single time. And when I found out what – there's a conservative guy. I, I've seen him a couple times. Something Ruben uh, – He's gay, and he's Republican, so he already gets healed on for being mm-hmm. that. But he said when him and his husband first bought their house in Florida, there was no gas, so they had electric. They said it took two weeks to rip that thing out of there, and they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out how to get gas, so they had propane dug up and put in their backyard like they do like in rural up, up in Michigan. I don't know if, if they do it in upstate New York, but in Michigan, the further Maybe. north you go, you got to have propane tanks. That they got to come refill every month or every three months, whatever. And <laughs> yeah, the, the suburbs or, or in the boonies. Yeah, in, in the boonies. Well, yeah, like yeah boonies. And then water softeners because they don't have they have well water and they got to put that shit in there so you don't feel like you're taking a shower in dirty muddy ass water, which still feels that way, by the way. But anyway, that's where the stove thing came in. So after saying that the Republicans were making it up, now they're going full court press with not letting them build uh, new houses with a, a gas stove. Uh, and maybe By the way, in, electric heat sucks worse than the gas stove not being gas. Those and, little and, things around your house, the little yeah. vents around your house, I almost caught they my suck. Steve Young jersey on fire when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They suck. But as me being the independent down the middle, I could give two shits of, you know, when you're condensed in the ideologies reflectionized, it's just me as an independent looking back, I just laugh. This is just, this is entertaining. More entertaining than maybe WWE, more entertaining than AEW. Republicans and Democrats need cease to surprise the professor in the idiocies that y'all do. But anyway, neither here nor there. So let's get into this episodic episode. This is officially. Now, Ray, again, I'm going to correct you. This is episode 163. He put 161 again because last week's episode, episodic, was 162. I kind of, I went backtrack, TW. So, you know, Ray did two things wrong. He did the production wrong and he got the number wrong. But that's neither here nor there. Again, we love Big Ray Hernandez, the pr- producer extraordinaire. 
See, I gave you a shout out, right? You know, again, next level <laughs> wrestling podcast two with him and the vet, who he, who I heard listens to our show two TW. The vet is a reflection that he listens to to the PWR podcast religiously. Yes. So we went from twelve, we got thirteen maybe. So at least right. the vet is number th- lucky the number thirteen. 13. Yeah, he's lucky number thirteen. But thirsty thirteen is our. We gotta have alliteration. He can I don't want. I want to call him lucky. I want to call him lucky. Don't call him thirsty yet. You know, I he's got to eat. A lot of them are thirsty. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh. I, don't want the, I don't want the vet to be like, what? Are you ready What's for that? this? What is it? Travis is listening to us again. All and right. He's putting over his Twitter handle. So we might be up to 14. Travis hey. is definitely thirsty. Travis, Pastor Travis, do me a favor. <laughs> Give us a blessing. Every time we do a show, okay? Just just do that. I'm going to stop cussing. I listened to that show back. I cussed a ton. But but we didn't elaborate on the fact that I, when I said I told you it just happened, we never said. I was knocked out because I didn't well, plan on a nap. I just fell asleep. Pastor Travis, he will do his penance. But again, bless the PWR podcast. Bless the Reflectionites. Bless the Magnificent Seven and all that stuff. So anyway, this is episode 163. And it would be apropos because, again, a couple of weeks ago, we lost somebody in the professional wrestling world. And that was a TNA original, Impact original. One of the most boisterous color analysts in wrestling history. So I want to start there first, TW. Don West. So we we are officially dedicating this episodic episode to the memory of Don West and T.W. before anything, because, again, we know the history of Don West, where he came from originally. He was on the Shop at Home Network, so the Home Shopping Network, I forget what it was, but he was selling memorabilia. He was selling collectible cards, baseball cards, basketball cards. He was a sports aficionado, if you will, but his energy, his presence on the Shop at Home Network, you know what it did, T.W.? It got ratings up, and it got people to spend a lot of money for the Mark McGuire rookie card. You know, T.W., was, I found it funny. There was a plethora, a plethora of Mark McGuire rookie cards. Are they worth any money right now? Just like you have your, you know, T.W., uh, you know, Wrestling Hall of Fame behind you. Is it worth a lot of money if everybody has it? Or do you feel you got to have at least that one oh. thing that a lot of people have? It's first of all, you can think everybody has it because he sold twelve of them. The reality is, less is more. So mm-hmm. if so, for example, I'm gonna do it for you right now. See this Uh-oh. Johnny Gargano figure? Mm-hmm. I bought it, even though I already had it, because I was hoping to get the chase. I didn't get the chase, right? Mm-hmm. So now I have two of these. One of them's in the package. I'm gonna open it right now. Oh and lord! Now, Not everyone's everyone's in the package. It just went up 10%. Thank God. I have to – wait, wait, hold on. I have to thank Pastor Travis. The box open with no problem. No noise. Thank you, Pastor Travis. All praises to you. The way. And I opened this one so okay. I can put him with uh, Indy Hartwell, who's also in her way gear, and my good man, Austin Theory, in his, oh. go- his gear. Okay. So now everyone that has this in the package – if they made 500 of them, there's only 499 still in package. So with the baseball cards, I'm sure the Mark McGuire is still worth money. But there's a saying in the collecting business. It could be worth on paper all they want to say it is. It's only as worth as much as somebody will pay for it. So Mark McGuire mm-hmm. rookie card, 
I would say it probably cooled off in the days of Don Juan, Don Juan, Don West hocking it. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, uh, the reason reason a Honus Wagner is worth so much, because really nobody knows who he is other than that card, is because mm-hmm. there's fucking three of them. <laughs> if it was 3,000 of them, it could be 150 years old. Nobody would care because there was 3,000 of them. But when yeah. it's 100 years old and there's only three in existence, it might be more than that. I'm just saying that off the top of my head. Or three in pristine condition. So right. it'd be worth Oh, even money. better yeah. then, yeah. yeah. So I get you. But anyway, TW, I, I'm just giving the logistics of his history and where he was. And then, of course, obviously, Jeff Jarrett heard his boisterous antics if you will, at the Shop at Home Network, and thought it would be perfect to bring him on the pay-per-view circuit when TNA was up and coming in 2002. So, TW, let's talk about Don West, Mike Tanay, Jeremy Borash, before we even talk about the matches. I just wanted to, because, again, this is like about Don West, and we gave you a little bit of the backstory of Don West's you know, professional career. And, of course, he was the color guy, if you will, from 2002 to 2008 early 2009 before Taz came in and then replaced Don West. So with this pay-per-view that you saw, which was, uh, again, Reflection Nights, TNA Lockdown 2008, April 13, 2008, from Lowell, Massachusetts. So I got that logistic out of the way. So TW, <laughs> with this, of course, the three-hour pay-per-view, you're already mad at the professor. That's part A. So I got, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But hopefully... <laughs> With the the little things you saw on this pay per view, or that you little remember, dick. what? Huh? I didn't say little dick. I said with the little things you saw, because sometimes you always little dick. You me. saw. You said it again. Not? No, I did not. Again, I said with the little things you saw oh, on the pay because you always fall asleep. You say you right. doze off a little bit, but yeah. whatever you call with Don West, I I, I just want to talk about Don West for a second. You know the energy that he brings to a match. The I don't want to say the passion because again. Is it passion or is it just doing what his job is to be that boisterous, to be that energetic? What say you, TW, about you know the what? color stylings of Don West? I'm going to say it's it's he's good at his job. That said, if he ain't a wrestling fan, then he, he duped the hell out of everybody because he comes off. That's what I was telling you before we started recording. Jeff Jarrett talked about him on his podcast the day after he found out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh in the middle of working, everybody acting like he's mad about the Karen Angle rap. Uh, he was talking about Don West, and he choked up a little bit, and, and, and I guess they're going to do a, a separate podcast just for Don West. But he said mm-hmm. he picked Don West, whoever picked him, because he sounded like a wrestling fan. He didn't sound like a polished like commentator, like a Bob Caudle or mm-hmm. whatever. That's funny enough. What I don't like about Mike Tanay is – he comes across as like Joe Buck, like he could give a shit. As long as mm-hmm. you pay him, he'll talk about whatever you're talking about. But I would assume, especially I thought about this watching it, I would assume at some point either Mike Tanay could only get jobs in wrestling or at some point he's a wrestling fan and he wants to work in wrestling because he's with AEW, right, Tanay? Or was he? No, he's he's freelance. He does probably does uh, plot, vlogs and blogs okay. and stuff well, like that now. Well, he was AEW, he was – or W. WCW, he was TNA. He probably would do something else if someone hired him. Um, but he always came across to me as someone who was not a wrestling fan. Uh, mm-hmm. And John did get a move wrong. He said that Curry Man did a moonsault off the top of the cage. He did a somersault. And Tanay, of all people, corrected him, the guy who usually gets the moves wrong. But Don West was uh, 
contagious. Like you, you couldn't help but get into whatever he was talking about, whether it's the McGuire card he's selling on the damn. If you happen to be watching QVC or whatever, but you, you couldn't help but catch. Like he made you stop and listen, and mm-hmm. he got done dirty at the end there. You know, by whoever I don't know, but. Someone thought he was better suited in their little fan shop, whatever, their WWE shop knockoff. But Jeff Jarrett said one cool thing, man. Like, it, it's it's nobody wants to be the one to say it, you know, especially that soon. But mm-hmm. he said, personally, he thanks God that Don West passed away because he's not suffering no more. So that, ah, that showed me up. That, that, that hits home because it... I've seen people suffer, man, and I and I and I've had guilt when when they passed away, thinking to myself, "Ooh, why do I feel relief?" You know, but it is because you're not watching them suffer anymore. Like yeah. you're gonna you move don't, on. You to don't want to be business. you don't want to be selfish that they are still on right. the earth, but in right. pain and a lot of pain. So you feel relief that the pain is gone. And the last and time we saw him, it, it was rough on him, and like he he's never gonna forget that last time, which is a lot of reasons why people don't go to funerals. They don't want the last image. The person that they love is that, you know, how they look in yeah. the box. And uh, but he said that, and I, and I could resonate with that. But by all accounts, I've never really talked to Demore about him or, or Kavanaugh or whatever. But by all accounts, that dude was loved by everybody and anybody that came across him. Like, again, one of those guys where there's nobody you're going to you're not going to find anybody have a bad thing to say about him. And if you do, it says more about them than it does about Don West. And it's funny that you say that he comes off like a wrestling fan. So it's like the, the everyday fan because his commentary uh, reflection is very infectious. Like he says, you know, he might say, like you said, T.W., he might say a move that doesn't make sense or is right. totally wrong. But right. actually, you'll forgive him for doing that because he's boisterous, he's energetic, and he's watching the match like a fan. Like he probably would say, oh, my God, like Joey right. Styles. And you're, and he's not saying it at, like a catchphrase. He's actually saying it like a fan. Like he saw like a he's blown away by match. It. He's blown yeah. away by the athleticism. He's blown away by the, by you know, the two, if it's a tag team match or a singles match or whatever the case may be. You know, like you said, it was fucked up the way they did it, did him dirty. But Taz was coming into TNA, so you got to understand you got to replace Don West with a proven commodity. So it is what it is in the in the cutthroat business of professional wrestling. And he got, you know, again, like you said, he got dicked around by that. So it is what it is. But like you said, he was loved by his, comp, you know, compadres. He was loved by his co-workers. He, you know, he was loved by the wrestlers. I have never reflectionized. And you have it. Tia Kupata, you know, another reflection night. If you've heard anything, people talking bad about Don West, please let me know because I've never heard. TW has never heard of anything. And again, like you said, Scott Demore, he just, a couple of days ago, TW, they just did TNA or Impact Wrestling Hard to Kill pay-per-view. They did a 10-bell slew yep. of Don West, and he hasn't been on TV in a couple of years. He hasn't been on full-time TV since, like I said, 2009. We're talking 13 years. And Scott wrote a nice thing on Twitter or whatever mm-hmm. it was on, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, like – that was mm-hmm. his boy, man. So it, yeah. It, and and like you said, there there there, there's people watching that don't know who the hell they're talking about because they haven't seen, you know, impact back then versus right. now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't want. Hey, couponer, if you find any negative shit, I don't want to hear. You tell professor. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear. He'll 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 tweet the professor. That's all right. T and couponer, that's that's your. You don't have to do it. 
I already know the answer. TW really already knows the answer. We're just saying it because, you know, it just doesn't exist. It's like the electric stove, gas stove conundrum right now. It doesn't exist. We're just making this up as we go along. But neither here nor there. So, again, let's not, again, the passion of TW about this stove thing is really off the charts. <laughs> reflection. Like stupid. It's stupid. And the fact that, oh, that's, you know what? That's what I forgot to say. So we're supposed to believe all of a sudden they care about us having a heart attack in our kitchen or asthma tripping. Yet we can still go to the corner store and buy cigarettes. Oh, by the way, we can buy weed now, too, and alcohol anytime we want. Oh, okay. But they I, care I get about you. It. I get you. I get you. I'm not they here to dispute us, it. Man. I'm not here to debate about it. I'm I'm actually on your side. I'll I'll throw the picket fence. I'll throw I'll do a protest with you about this. But anyway, let's get back to this episodic episode. TNA Impact Wrestling Lockdown 2008, Lowell, Massachusetts, the Sangus Arena. Attendance for this TW was 5,500, a very decent crowd, if you will. But again, I want to say, again, before we even talk about a couple of things in this pay-per-view, again, this is more about Don West, Reflection I So, you know, of course, we banter back and forth, and of course, we'll talk some matches that we liked or disliked or kind of like had questions. But again, TNA Lockdown TW is a is a pay-per-view dedicated to the steel case. This and in this in particular, the six sides of steel. Every match was in a steel cage, so it's the ultimate gimmick match. You know, like TW, like WWE did Hell in a Cell, but they only do like one or two Hell in a Cell matches. So, what say you about the concept, TW? Because this is, to me, the peak of TNA wrestling, the peak of Impact wrestling, if you will. Even before they try to get Hogan and Bishop and all that stuff, I think right now this before is the- Hogan. Yeah, this is 2008. Uh-huh. He didn't go. He didn't get into Impact Wrestling until 2010. So to oh. me, this time period right now is the peak of TNA wrestling. So do you agree with that assessment? Do you disagree? Or so, you have a different take. So I thought about it today, and I thought, you know, <clears throat> I never, I didn't. So 2010 is probably when I when I soured on TNA. Now that you said that, because. Right off the rip, they tried going head-to-head on Monday night. That's the stuff I don't like. It's what I dislike about AEW, which, God bless them, they do it less and less now. Uh, So they finally got the memo. Look, just do your own shit. Stop throwing stones, right? Um, Just put on a better show. And there's going to be people that think you have and people that think you haven't. But when I'm watching this, two things I thought. One, wow. I knew everybody. There's barely... I don't think there was anybody on this show, maybe a couple women, <clears throat> where I didn't know who they were. So clearly mm-hmm. I had my finger on the pulse of Impact Wrestling, even if I didn't watch it. Um, okay. But also, you know, m- many of these guys are still around, uh, either wrestling still or personalities in, in wrestling. It's good to see a lot of them went on to graduate, if you will. No, no disrespect to Impact, but... There wasn't a guy in that Impact show who wasn't dying to make it to New York, if you know what I mean. And then mm-hmm. they did. Some of them made it to AEW before they got any kind of break. Um, one of such guys. Well, being- hold, hold your thought, because I want to actually retort back. Because okay. I'll be honest with you, because I'm the most objective man in the IWC, YWC. I was rooting for TNA Impact Wrestling at this t- point in time. Not, a, not I can get where you're going with. I'll have the the same thoughts as you after 2010 when Hogan and Bischoff came in. But at this time period, for me, I just want to say this. I was rooting for them. I'm not saying to overtake WWE. I understand what you're talking about. But I was rooting for them for being the alternative. I was rooting for them because 
being at the Sangas Arena, having like 5,000 fans or paid or whatever the case may be, I'm like, all right, you know, another organization is growing. Another organization is coming up in the United States. So I was rooting for them. I just wanted to say that. So go ahead, TW. I, I didn't want to get well, I was rooting for them because of Team Canada. Those were all my dudes that I came up with or met right. in BCW when I was, you know, um, dialing it down. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, so I was always rooting for them. And, and so the thing I thought was, A, wow, you know, I, I must have paid. Never was a fan of that ring. Um, still ain't out of the show. It's so weird, mm-hmm. that ring. Uh, and then the fact that it's six sides, it's not even like USC, where it was an octagon. At least make the shit an octagon, which would have made it even harder for guys like Sting and Hogan, who are used to, you know, that that one way, because it would have been longer doing octagons. But anyway, the second thing I thought was, I, this particular show itself, like, it's overkill, is what I thought before watching it. It's okay. too many matches. It's too many cage <clears throat> matches. It makes the cage part... You know, like, Russell and they don't have heat. Why are they in the cage? I, I get where you're going with this because what? I think – no, no, let me just say this. Let me just say this. I think I know where you're going with this because this is the same problem with AEW. When you look at this card, you got to get everybody on the card. And right. sometimes some of these people on the card don't deserve to have pay-per-view right. time. So, right. you know, you focus on Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle. You focus on the War Games match. Some of this is just overkill, like you said. So I just wanted to agree with you on that. It's just too many people you put it on. But I changed my mind after watching it because they did. did. Oh, they did two things. Well, they did one thing. I just thought, you know what? I thought about it on my own. So the first thing they did was they at least made the rules for every match different, right? So okay, like Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe is basically MMA MMA fight that you can still do wrestling moves. So that's kind of that was a hard sell for me. No, no offense to uh, hard to kill or, or, you know, puns or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it was a hard sell because they're they're doing this thing like they did MMA camps, yet they're still running off the ropes. So that that kind of whatever. But they made it work. So forget about it. And I, by the way, unsung hero of this entire pay per view. And I'm not a big fan of his. And I'm gonna butcher his damn name. Frank Trigg. I got it. Frank Trigg. That dude added legitimacy to this. Every single time they talked to him he did commentary they talked to him he he analyzed it like it was a shoot usc fight and i and i really appreciated that and mm-hmm. and he even did the kayfabe side where he flat out wasn't picking one guy i'm not going to spoil finish uh he flat out didn't pick one guy because he just thought it's, it's impossible but it's probable so there's that but the second thing was remember when we were kids and we would rent like wwe's most unusual matches yeah they would be all different one would be a ladder match one would be uh, lumberjack match, whatever. I, I finally realized as I'm watching this, this is no different than if we watched best of steel cage matches. None of us okay. would have a problem sitting down and watching, you know, Warrior Rude, Brett Owen, Hogan Bundy. We would watch all three of those in a row and not think twice about the fact that we just watched three different steel. Tully Blanchard. But, uh, but there's a difference. Hey. No, no. The best, no. The, no, there is a difference. Those, those best of steel cages that you're talking about and the names you put, those were main events. All no, of them were main events. No, no, for sure. But I'm saying my problem was every match being a cage match. We could mm-hmm. watch. It, they all had potential to steal the show. A couple mm-hmm. of them did, I think. The, the, okay. the, the worst of them all, to me, was that tag team match. Because the fact that you got eliminated by getting handcuffed. To, no, no. I'm sorry. That's the second worst. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you got handcuffed to the cage, but you're still there. I, I'm stunned nobody got hurt. 
because you got so many guys in there. There's really nowhere to go for the two guys that are last. But that but that's the that's the advantage of the six sides to, that to spread it out. Was good. Okay. And the finish, I really liked um, the way EY did what he did. Uh, very very cool. They pulled it off. When I when I say it was dumb, I mean the rules. But the dumbest rule is the girls where they had to climb into the cage to have a one-on-one match. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, what? Why don't you just have a... No, because no one's going to climb over the top. I think they did that just to be different, and there's probably women who had no no chance in hell I'm climbing that cage, right? Like, just out of fear or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But the the match itself wasn't horrible, Mm -hmm. but it was predictably quick because how long are you going to be fighting each other? before? Once one person got in the cage... There's an odd person, so obviously you should be able to, the odd person who doesn't have anyone beating on him should be the next one climbing up in there. And the same thing mm-hmm. with that tag match. Once one guy got handcuffed, which it started off with EY not even being out there, so Kaz is, he's just by well, himself. There's a, there's a storyline purpose, so again, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the logistics on that for a second, but I get where you're going with cert- the thing that TNA, especially at this time, and again, like I said, Reflectionites, I think this is where they peaked. They couldn't go any higher after this, even though the Dixie, Dixie Carter tried as he, as she best, TW. You know, again, adding Hulk Hogan, adding Ric Flair, adding Eric Bischoff, and trying to compete with WWE instead of being the alternative to WWE, which they were already there. They were already the alternative to WWE. They, again, you know, delusions of grandeur, TW. You wanted to be mainstream. I get where she she wanted to go. But right now, at 2008, you're seeing a pay-per-view, again, an all-steel cage, six-sides of steel cage pay-per-view. Yes, there were some hokey rules, reflection, and I agree with TW on that, but it was trying to be different. It's not trying to, you know, go to the well of WWE with rules. It's not trying to go to the well of WCW with the rules. It was trying to be, you know, I guess, cutting edge. Unique, cutting edge, you know, this is, you know, WWE is all pomp and circumstance. We're the grits. We're the we're the gritty ones that are going to try and be out the box and see if we pass or fail. And let's talk about at least one of the matches. And, of course, the one tradition of TNA Impact Wrestling since the inception of pay-per-views or big events, TW, is always an X, X Division title match. And with this... They, they started off with the six-man escape match for the X-Division Championship. And, you know, Macho Lethal, Jay Lethal, was the champion. He was defending against Xavier Woods. He was de- defending against Curry Man, a.k.a. Christopher Daniels. He was defending against Johnny Devine, Shark Boy, and Sanjay Dutt. So, you know, one of the big misnomers of the X-Division, especially during these peak uh, years, TW, was that the X-Division guys... They could give you five-star matches in the ring, right, TW? That's right. not the problem. They could be the ones that, the, that are the heaters. That's not the problem. The problem was they had no charisma. They had right. no character. You know, you couldn't really get invested in them. And so, you know, Jeff Jarrett, you got to give him A for effort, TW, that he tried to give Jay Lethal, you know, he said, Jay Lethal, who do you, you know, I know you do impressions. You love doing the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he was Macho Lethal. So, also love doing the Macho Man. Right. Being so, done. It, which what? Being done by the Macho Man. Catch Yeah. Him. Yeah. He did he did that. So you know no, he, you, he, he know you caught oh. for the Macho Man. Jesus Christ, TW. A little bit <laughs> here. Anyway, but I'm trying to say that 
he was trying to inject on the cruiserweights, if you will, T.W., to right. give him a little character, little, give him a little pomp and circumstance. And, of and course, again, during these years, Vince Russo has his – no, I'm just, let me just say this first. Vince right. Russo is still around in – you know, in some cer- certain circumstance. I don't know if he's head writer or he's part of the TNA writing committee, but you have to think that Vince Russo injected some of this character and charisma on some of these X Division guys. JV through with the Macho Man character. You got Sanjay Dutt as the the pimp, the player from the Himalayas. You got Consequences Creed. You know, of course, Xavier Woods was was starting out, you could say. He was trying to find his character. And, of course, Christopher Daniels oh, took it untapped potential like you would say like we would always say christopher daniels took his character from new japan pro wrestling and brought it to to america so it was kind of an easy no-brainer so what's and of course shark boy was taking from stone cold steve austin and and actually stone cold like stone cold shark boy so let's say utw about the character injection if you will try to give you know these guys you know so you can be more invested in these guys with the character characterization like said they, they could all perform there, there was no problem with it uh sanjay he looks better now than he did then sanjay's one of them guys where if i was one of the boys in the back i'd have pulled him aside and said hey sanjay let's go get a fucking razor blade and let's just shave that little fucking three <laughs> pairs of hairs you got on the top of your head off he was always going bald and always had it wet sticking to the side it just looked terrible but he looks better now but he looks like he's still in the same shape now as he was back then. I always thought Jay Lethal stood out. Um, it sucks that your 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 moment is mimicking a wrestler, but I also love when Sandow did it. I liked it when Bo and uh, Kurt Axel did it. I, I yeah. like that kind of stuff. I liked it better, Charlie Haas, when they did a different guy every week where they just weren't looking like they were stealing – the gimmick of a guy from the past. Um, Curry Man is flat out doing the Shawn Michaels dance. I don't know how how I just never noticed it before. Everything he does, he's doing this stuff like Shawn does before he does the pose, but he does it and he adds that little one step to it. But the whole time, he's but, basically... But right, doing, wait a minute. He's hot and he's spicy and he tastes great. But he's also stealing Shawn Michaels' little dance oh, and making it different. Saying. But mm-hmm. but anyways, at the end of the day, the uh, Consequences Creed, I, I could have sworn he wore the red, white, and blue shit in TNA, but it might have been that's what he wore in the indies before he got there. I, don't, I just remember him wearing that red, white, and blue. But uh, they all, they what they did to me in this match that I thought was awesome was Sanjay was basically only there to help Jay retain. Somehow they were baby faces. I don't know how the hell how that works, but but I well, like it. Well, storyline wise, Sanjay and Jay were like best buds, but there was a there was something that was gonna divide them, and that was the girl. I forgot her name, but now so Cal Val was Jay Lethal's girlfriend, but of course Sanjay Dutt is the player from the Himalaya. So this was a developing storyline. Tw, I wanted to give you that credence here. He wanted some ass. He wanted SoCal Val's ass. So he, I'm just giving right. you the credence but, for the story. That aside, that aside, he's in mm-hmm. there. So clearly he's not going to try to take out um, um, Jay. Jay. Mm-hmm. But he got eliminated early. So Jay had to fend for himself, if you will. But he never left. And then he comes back into play at the end in a much more babyface way. And that mm-hmm. made more sense to me. 
that they were baby faces at the end. Didn't particularly like the finish because I don't think it made Lethal look strong. But it also is is a good reason to explain how, like, the champion, if I was booking wrestling and champions were in these matches, like the Elimination Chamber or, or that type of match where anybody, especially the ones where all one person has it is, is pinned, like a fatal four-way, the yeah. champions lose every fucking time. I would only use those matches to get a belt off of somebody. Like, for example, Goldberg's undefeated. Have him lose his belt that way because then he's technically defeated because he lost the match, but he didn't lose the match. Someone else he didn't did. get pinned or so anything. He wasn't involved match, in the fall. Yeah. Right? It's in a specials match. So you, you keep him undefeated. You can do the streak part two, and they won't let you come for the belt again until you work your way back up, whatever the case may be. But I, mm-hmm. I, did, I just don't like – I feel like in wrestling, the guy that goes in with the title leaves with it more often than he doesn't, right? Unless right. it's Brock. Brock's a champion. He's in there. Braun they did it with, and he ended up losing to Brock. Where you have a guy just dominate, fine. Then he dominates. But when you're the guy who's not dominating and, and you cheap out of it, to finish, even though Sanjay did it babyface style, it's more of a heel finish. Other than what Johnny Devine did in the first place, Johnny Devine tied him to the rope so that was the heel finish and Sanjay's like no 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 and then but and I, I've never liked the, the winning the cage I like that Hogan and I bet you he had the same thought I had I'm not fucking opening the door and leaving the win that looks like a coward's way out he climbed the cage that's what I like is when the guy climbs because you hit him with your boot to the face and the leg drop and you go watch this motherfucker I'm gonna take sorry Travis I'm gonna take 10 minutes to climb over the top of this cage and win like it's a dominant win right when right. you just run out the door, it's so chicken beep that it just—I don't feel like you won. You know what I mean? Like you—you you ran. You won by running. But, yeah, but it was I get you. And I um, like that they eliminated Sanjay early, and everyone that got pinned got a pin, with the mm-hmm. exception of like Jay Lethal escaped. He didn't get pinned, and he didn't pin nobody. And obviously Sanjay didn't get a pin because he got pinned first. But mm-hmm. everyone got a win. Everyone got a loss, other than those two. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. Again, they were always they're out the box, they're cutting edge with certain rules. We're not gonna go to the whole pay-per-view reflection nights. We're gonna just, you know, go into certain things that we liked or disliked. So I'm gonna go into the thing that TW disliked, and that was the I believe the queen of the cage match to determine the number one contender for the TNA women's knockout championship. You got Angelina Love, you got Christy Hemi, you got Jacqueline, you got Rocka Khan, you got Salinas, you got Tracy Books, Velvet Scott, and Roxy Laveau, TW. Like you said, they started from the outside going in. It is redundant. I, You have a cage. This is what you do. You put them all, you put all these girls in, it's supposed to be cage T. It's supposed to be softcore porn. You're supposed to have women They should have been the tough one. Well, you could have done handcuffs with women, but then you know, again, you you would have you know it would be sexist, misogynistic, or whatever the case may be. So the, again, you, you can actually do this in 2008. You can't do it in 2023, TW. So right. what? Again, you hated it for the rules and you hated it for the concept. And I, you know, again, TNA was starting to have the women valued more inside the ring instead of being the valets. But of course, they still did that valet stuff. Don't get me wrong, reflectionites, but they wanted to show that their women can look beautiful and still kick ass at the same time. But some of these women, you know, you can you, it's like, um, I don't want to be in a cage. I feel like it's gonna it's gonna really hurt me. What's ATW? I guess that was the vibe I got 
when I was watching TNA wrestling. When they can do a one-on-one -on -one match without a cage, without any props, you know, you have you don't have to add the chairs, you don't have to add kendo sticks, if you will, reflection nights. They can, ECW. You know, they can do, ECW they, it up. They can do a good, they can do a good match. Don't get me wrong, TW. But when you add these props, the men can adapt. Again, it's not sexist, it's realist. The women are don't worry. I'm gonna know, get it. I'm going to get us the sexist part. Don't worry. Okay. But again, they were starting the, the, the revolution was starting TW. So I'm just trying to give credence to it again. Right now, the women today in 2020 trust whatever organization they can handle a steel cage. They can do it better than what they did, you know, 13, 14, 15 years ago. That's what I wanted to say. Go ahead, TW. Go ahead. Be your sexist ways. All right. So listen, I've been trying to think of how I was going to word this. I promise Everyone listen that's going to get offended by this. Yes, it's going to come off as WWE apologist, but it's it's not what I'm trying to do here. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people try to say impact the, the what do they call them, girls? Knockouts. Knockouts. The knockout divisions is what revolutionized women's wrestling. I've never agreed with that. They might have had more women on their roster, but they didn't all fucking wrestle like Trish and Lita and China and... You know, Tara, whatever the hell her name was in WWE. Um, they, no, but but to be fair, I'm just gonna say this. To be fair, they, they they gave them more of a platform to hone their crafts. Fine, in the right. Fine, fine. They gave them the platform, but they're they're trying to give credit to those women, and with the exception of Gail Kim, who my biggest problem with her has always been, she's BCW by the way. Uh, she believes her own hype. That that's always she's the CM Punk of women before <laughs> there was a CM Punk, right? So, but okay. here's my problem with it, and this is where the sexism comes in. And they yeah. did it on purpose. I know they did it on purpose. Now you just told me Russo was still there. He's got to be his idea. If you took the roster of WWE women at that same time, 08, 09, whatever year that was, mm -hmm. uh, 08, 08, and you compared them, I think the biggest difference, and even today, because I, I could say the same thing about AEW. The women in the WWF, while yes, still attractive, WWE, they are athletic. They look like they did sports at some point in their life, whether it was Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, because I got news for you, fat couch potatoes, that's athletic, all right? You ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Me and you might do it. You know what I mean? I'm saying mm -hmm. the women that do that, there's a reason their thighs are like tree trunks, because it takes strength, agility, it takes athleticism. Mm -hmm. uh, so even like a Tory Wilson... Um, I'm not saying they didn't have women like a Kelly Kelly that were Barbie doll thin. But when I look at them impact women, almost to a man, no pun intended, to a woman, they look like they went to the local strip club and just grabbed whatever strippers they could to come get in the ring. They didn't look athletic. Some of them wrestled okay. I'm not saying, but the, 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 the most realistic of all of them for me is ODB. Mm -hmm. ODB was realistic. Um, I think the beautiful people got better as they went along, but they look like a couple strippers out there until they got a little better. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, Victoria, she came up wanting to be a wrestler. Uh, awesome Kong looked legit. Um, that girl that wore, but by the way, I know that's another match, but Awesome Kong and that whatever the fuck, the Syrian nightmare from Glow, it came off as Glow to me. That that whole match <laughs> came off as Glow to me. Um, mm -hmm. Mickey James is good, you know, but she also is WWE first. My point is, they all dressed like they were at the bar. That was my biggest problem. With like, it, they made no attempt to hide that they were putting on a 
no pun intended, TNA show when they put them girls out there. Whereas Lita okay. didn't dress like that. She might have had a thong sticking out of the back of her corduroy pants, but uh, most did. of them girls in WWE had gear, and they looked like they were in a uh, sport. When Gail Kim came out in her outfit, I thought, what the fuck? She was the one person I thought was going to save it for me and come out in gear, and she literally came out in the dress, the little tiny two-piece, whatever the hell, baby camisole that the chicks in Miami wear trying to pick up athletes when I was down in Miami last year. That that was gear. That ain't gear. What do you mean? It's what okay. she would have I mean, worn to the bar. Own, but that, that was gear. Missing were high heels, dude. That's what those chicks wear at the club <laughs> trying to get taken home by some dude with money. Okay. And that was my um, biggest okay. problem with it. Mm-hmm. And so that Roxy chick, Roxy Le, Le whatever, Le-Vo. she's still alive. She's not the one that died, right? That was Daphne that died. Daphne, yeah, Daphne passed away. So, so Roxy to me, she looked the most. No offense, Roxy. She looked the most corner store stripper of all of them. But but she, she didn't dress in that toothpiece that you're talking about or complaining about. Like fucking another glow wrestler, like a fucking I Dream a Genie. But but okay. she at least looked like she took a wrestling school course, right? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so, I I appreciate the ones that went out there and actually worked. But a lot of them were strictly. Eye candy, and to quote Taz last week, uh, there's a bunch of them just like that on 42nd Street. They weren't anything to write home about. I, I get, I get you with Rock I get you with Rock Khan. She couldn't wrestle for a lick. You're right about the beautiful people. They were, they, they improved as the years went on. Christy Hemi sucked. WWE or here, she can't wrestle a lick. Jacqueline is, you know, she's a Hall of Famer, so she doesn't she was count. Wrestling. Was she, was she in that match? No, she was in the match. She, oh, yeah, she, but she didn't make it in the cage. Right, right. I've never had anything bad to say about Jacqueline. Jacqueline used to wrestle Jarrett. I'm just giving the names out that you're you're right. Selena's was eye candy. Tracy Brooks was eye candy. So there was few and far between of women that can wrestle. But, again, the platform was starting TW for TNA. I'm not trying to be a shill for them. I'm just trying to be, you know, objective as I always am. You know They're starting the revolution. Proof in the pudding is there's two different women's matches here. At that point, there was only one WWE match. You know, it would either be right. a girls' battle royal or it would be a world title match. You know, but, yeah. but you're right. I, I, I won't argue that they gave them the platform, but I'm saying those women aren't the pioneers that everyone wants to make them out to be. And current impact wrestling women are better than those. Is no, I, I, right now, yeah. Like I said, in the beginning stages of the quote-unquote revolution of TNA's knockouts division, Reflectionites, I'm being real here, they couldn't handle the cage. Again, porn. it took a couple of years. What? Is that porn? Yes, it is. It's a porn <laughs> parody. I couldn't tell that was Shawn Michaels dressing up like, like Cena. Uh, okay, I, I will, again, for the Reflectionites <laughs> that are on the audio... TW is showing a post that I did for the uh, PW Hustle Facebook fan page, the Hustle Phantom. So get on that. But it was a it's a porn parody starring Johnny Sins and Kendra Lust. Raw is triple X, but neither here nor there. But we already combined two of the two, two of the ladies matches, TW. So I want to at least give credence to somebody I don't like. I still don't like. I'll never like. And that is Erica. You wanted to say that EY did his thing again. I will give you. The, the credence, Eric Young, that, you know, there is a place for you in wrestling. You are valuable in, you know, in your comedy, in your depth of character. I will give you that, TW. I'm not going to deny that. But as a fan, I just don't like him. I don't like a man who's doing comedy and then you want me to take him seriously as the years wane on as a main eventer. You're not a main eventer. 
you're a comedy guy, that's where you are. No matter what, there's a ceiling for you. You can never be the guy that draws money. So that's my problem with Eric Young. But for this match purposes, the six-team cuffed in the cage match, which is ridiculous. I'm not even going to name the names for, for these tag teams, but LAX was there. Kaz and Eric Young was there. But then for the comedy purposes of Eric Young, we don't have to talk about who was in the match, T.W. Eric Young, storyline-wise, at this point in time, was afraid of the TNA roster. But he had, he had an alter ego. So to combat his fear, he created the super Eric character. He had a cape. He was the strongest, you know, the strongest man in TNA wrestling. And it, it proved this point here. He proved valuable for Kaz because Kaz is super Eric. Won the match because he went to the back being afraid, came back out with his mask on and the soup and the cape. Again, comedy. I get you, TW. It's comedy. It's it serves its purpose. I laugh, I can giggle. But I can't take him seriously years later as being the Impact Heavyweight Champion. That's just me. I'll never like him. A-Track, Ron, and me will always debate about this. I like. I don't like Eric Young. I don't like him in Sanity. I don't care about him when he came back to Impact Wrestling and he did the the, Sanity? the, the violent by design shit. And I don't give a he shit. Did Sanity and Impact, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did Impact Sanity. But again, I just don't like him. I I don't take him seriously. So I give him. Props for what he does comedy wise. So you'll never like match. Nick Cross. You'll never like uh, Eugene Nick Dinsmore. You like you'll never no, no, like. I like I like Nick Dinsmore. I like the what he brings, the value he brought as a comedy wrestler with the Eugene character. Nikki Cross, I actually like oh, her you're, character you're, development. You're saying you like him because he never did go on to world titles, right? Your you problem. have a you have here's, a ceiling. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Go so, ahead. Eric is if he's not an impact original, he's damn close, right? He's mm -hmm. also a BCW guy, he's a Toronto guy, he's a Demore okay. guy. He mm -hmm. this guy is one of those guys. He's really AJ Styles. After AJ Styles leaves, he finally gets the call that AJ got, that Bobby Roode got. Like Eric just had to wait his turn out. That EY super gimmick gimmick was he made lemons out of lemon or lemonade out of lemons, man. He he took it, and that's the reason he in, inevitably got elevated, right? It made the mm -hmm. fans care about him. Maybe not you and I, and that you're not alone in knocking that. Most people mm -hmm. hated it, right? Mm -hmm. But once he got rid of it, and the best way to get rid of it is to totally shit on it and become a super heel, no pun intended, uh, which I don't even know if that's what they did. Um, they, they did, years later. Yeah, he turned on, but he, if he doesn't do that, I don't know if we ever get the other versions of Eric Young. Um, mm -hmm. So, I think it was it was the brass ring. He grabbed it and then he, he he turned it into something better down the road. I think it helped him. That's when he started changing his look. Because remember, he did that other comedy with with uh, the chick, ODB. ODB he did all that comedy with her, and that that stuff made me feel like he was being held back. And trust me, when he became super EY, I'm like. Fuck. I hated it then, but in hindsight, if he doesn't do well with that, he doesn't get another chance to do well with other things. Again, no, again, I'm saying I respect the value that he brings to the organization because right. he'll do what, what needs to be done. I just don't like people trying to convince me that he can you know, change his character, be a superhero, like you said, and make me believe that he could draw money and be the main eventer. He's not. 
There's a ceiling to the professor. I'm sorry. Right. I just yeah. don't think he. I think he's mid card and even below that. But he has a, he serves his purpose in that tier. I think that's not just me. NXT main event talent. I don't just never saw it happening on Raw or SmackDown. I didn't see it failing as bad as it did, but I I could see him being higher up the card because size has something to do with it too. He ain't the biggest dude, right? Um, mm-hmm. I can see him being over in AEW. Impact. I think that's a big difference between Impact and AEW. Is Impact AEW is more like NXT to me than Impact, even though a lot of people think they're all kind of the same. Impact still would bring in giants like the dude that stuttered. What was that guy's name? Oh, Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan. They always had guys like that who would always keep the little dudes down. Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. They were they were trying to push that dude as a monster. You know. So you you still had that big man's mentality and impact, whereas I don't think they have that in AEW. And anybody that's big, like a Wardlow or Bill Morrissey, they hide them. They have them distracted somewhere else, so the main event is still someone Adam Cole size versus MJF size, so that okay. it doesn't... You know what I mean? It, it, so Eric Young in NXT, he, he could overcome the, short, the, the sh- shortcomings, pun intended, but still, mm-hmm. to me... I bought them. I bought them with Sanity. Those were the rest of that Sanity group was misfits, dude. But together, you feared them, right? Yeah, I think they I, were in a I, war games. Were they in a war games? Was yeah, they, they were. The three but, team war games. Again, you're talking to the professor that I don't really care about EY. I didn't care about right. Sanity. I'm just. Be, I've right. been consistent. I, about I, didn't, I didn't pop for Sanity with EY there. I didn't pop for EY when he came back and brought Sanity gimmick to TNA wrestling in 2020. So that that's just me. But again, I don't mind the comedy, but I know his place. And he was the reason that him and Kaz were won the 16 cuffed in the cage match. Everybody was cuffed. LAX was cuffed. The Motor City Machine Guns were in this match. They were cuffed. Petey Williams and Scott Steiner, they were cuffed. The Rock and Rave con- con- Infection, they were cuffed. Dustin Rose and Relic, they were cuffed. So And Kaz was cuffed. So Super Eric was the MVP of this match. So TW, let's go on. And talk about the main events because that's what got the most time. That's what people paid their hard-earned money to see. And, of course, I just want to say this logistically, TW, to this day, this is the highest buy-rated pay-per-view in Impact Wrestling slash TNA Wrestling history. 55,000 buys, which is probably nothing to anybody. But for TNA purposes, that was a lot for them and still hasn't been matched. So, I don't know if you knew that, TWs, that no no other pay-per-view has matched what 2008 Lockdown did for themselves. But anyway, Lethal Lockdown, the TNA version of War Games. You had Team Cage, consistent of Christian Cage, Kevin Nash, Matt Morgan, Rhino, and Sting against Team Tonko with himself, AJ Styles, uh, James Storm, and Team 3D. Devon and Brother Ray. So, T.W., with this, I just want to say one thing about this. This is a great example of, you know, if you don't make it in one organization, thank God for another organization. And I just forgot about at least Tomko probably is one-dimensional because of his size, one-dimensional because of his look with the tattoos and all that stuff. But in TNA, (laughs) and he's dead. I I know you're going to tell me that. I got you. dead, is he? Yes, he is. He died. died. Overdose. He died of drugs a couple of years oh. after. But because I know you're the gatekeeper of all the people that are dead. But anyway, grave. What? 
Jimmy Rave. I didn't bring him up. Oh, okay, but anyway, neither here nor there. But at least I want to give credence to Tonko here because this is a great example of give getting a platform and getting getting a chance. Again, one-dimensional, but he has the look. He has the presence. And he was given a little bit of mic time. I ain't saying he, you know, Travis he's Flair with alive, a motherfucker. What? Travis Tronco is alive and he's 46 years old. Oh, okay. I thought he died of a overdose. Oh, no, he was arrested. He he has he has yeah, arrest he records. Arrested. So, okay. I apologize to Tom Cole if he's a, you know. You know what? He looks like uh, the one dude that was with Piper, but with hair. Sean O'Hare. No pun intended. Oh, he's okay. the one that OD'd and died. They look alike. Oh, okay. So, again, my mistake, Tom Cole. I apologize if you are listening to this podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyway, but TW, again, this is a great example of getting a chance in another organization. And Tom Cole, you know, took advantage of that chance. He was former TNA tag team champion with AJ Styles. And again, he he's given a platform to be, you know, in a double main event situation. So let's say about again your favorite concept, the war games, with the twist, because when all ten combatants come down the cage, roof comes down, and weapons galore, and it's lethal lockdown. All you know, t- chairs, candlesticks. Oh my, you know, you use every, you use what you got. What say UTW? I like the swerve where. Christian's in the ring and Tonko's coming out and AJ ended up sneaking in the ring and he was actually the first guy with, with Christian. I mm-hmm. absolutely love the lazy ass way James Storm climbs up to the top of the, the platform with the weapons. Did you see mm-hmm. it? Yeah. He threw his feet up there first and then dragged his fat ass up there. I love he's not, the, he's uh, not that ele- the only one that was going to be athletic. You knew the, the MVP of the cage is AJ, AJ. Styles because yeah. he's the athletic I, one. I the love match. the spot AJ and Christian did with the ladder through the table. With uh, was it Tom Co that shook it? No, it was James Storm that shook it. James Storm, I liked it. Uh, I, I thought it, I, and it's funny you said it, you called it War Games in the beginning because I'm like, uh, you had another version of War Games. I was going to ask you, A, did they ever have another handcuffed tag team match? Because that was the first ever one. I'm going to assume no. No. And B, did they ever have another one of these? Because I actually enjoyed it. Legal Lockdown, that's their, that's their um, you know, coup de grace. That's their They're war staples. games. They're war games. Yeah, I wish I would have paid more attention to it because I, I, I would have watched this the way I watched war games. I think I still like war games better because it's two rings and it's not that dumbass six-sided one but mm-hmm. i like what they did with it and and unlike blood and guts which is almost i'm assuming it's the same size as war games but it looked like it was way bigger probably because i was there instead of watching it on tv there's well, too too many places for guys to just lay around and do nothing and they did that at blood and guts i'm sure they do it at war games too um this this ring there's nowhere to hide you're you're involved or you're selling. One of the two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you where, think they did? Where they were? Did they take their rest or they just sold dude, in your eyes? Blood guts. They're, no, no, they're, not blood. I'm talking about lockdown. I'm talking about lockdown. Oh, here, the, the match here. For one, James Storm, he climbed his fat ass up there and just laid there for a minute to get his his you know his air. Um, mm-hmm. Probably blew up climbing a damn cage the way he did because he went up feet first. Such mm-hmm. weird. It was so weird how he did it. And I thought this dude falls. He's dying and he's killing somebody on the way when he lands. But uh, right. but yeah, I, I I do like the match. It's it's much obviously smaller in scale than War Games, but it doesn't come off as a War Games ripoff for that reason. And the reason I ask these questions because, like I said earlier, I didn't really follow TNA. I've, 
I kept up, if you will, mm-hmm. but I didn't follow it. Um, I always thought it was individuals. I didn't know it was teams. I no, thought teams. the lockdown was five guys fighting and they all could get weapons. I didn't know it was teams. Um, so this is my first lethal lockdown match that I ever watched. Uh, but I enjoyed it. And, and you know, I I can't see Sting and not get pissed off that he didn't stay with WWE. Fuck. Uh, which, granted, they weren't going to let him wrestle, so what are you going to do? But uh, it's just... I hate seeing Sting wrestle in TNA knowing he could have done so much more in WWE than he did. But, Dixie, but he Dixie, did our- played, Dixie played Sting enough so he didn't have to do a lot. He did right. his appearances. He did his matches. He gave his body. And he didn't have to work 200 or 300 days out of the year. Plus, like he was history. afraid they were going to job him out. He, I, I've read that times. But yeah, I don't so. think they, I think they would have printed money with Sting because they would have had their final replacement to the Ultimate Warrior Undertaker. Remember, Vince is vindictive and Vince is an egomaniacal person. He didn't do that to Flair. He didn't do that to Tully and Arn. No, because Flair, Lex. When, when Flair made his overture, he wanted to go. Again, again, I don't I'm not defending anything. I'm just like Sting felt reservations on certain things. So it is what it is. And you got to respect had, it. What Sting had was jealous motherfuckers who WWE had no interest in telling him not to do it because they're going to burn you. Yet, if you look at the history of it, they, did they burn Booker T? Did they burn Lex? Did they burn the end? Well, NW- again, Booker T got hazed a little bit. Again, you, people talk about his match with Triple H at WrestleMania and they got, all that bullshit. But I'm saying Booker T had a damn good WWE career. Yeah, but Booker T also left on bad terms because of the drug issue. That's why he came to TNA here. He was in this. He was in this lockdown baby. So you know, I know that. But I'm saying back when Sting went there, mm-hmm. he could have gone there just like Booker T did. Why didn't he use Booker T as an example of someone that didn't get burned for being a WCW guy? What Again. I didn't know Booker T left on bad terms. What what Again. happened there? I think somebody cut. It was a it was a drug it was a drug test issue, and I think steroids or, or weed could have been. I don't know which one, but I, he probably did not want to do the rehab thing and it just quit. Went to TNA, right? So you know he probably felt like you're sliding me. You're thinking I'm I'm this and that. I'm not gonna go with a rehab. I'm not addicted to something. So right. he felt some type of way. So you know I'm, again, I forgot the logistics of that. So. One more thing about the War Games match here, at TW. Again, the difference is they have the roof, the roof with the weapons, TW. So, you know, now with you, you can talk about blood and guts. You could talk about like the War Games from the NXT, and even you know the War Games that happened in Survivor Series. They put that there. They make it stupid enough that you you know you go out before you come into the ring. You're bringing the tables. You're bringing the chairs. It's idiotic. At least with lethal lockdown, TW, for me, my purpose, it's on the roof. I'm fine with that. I'm fine that it's it's on, you know, the, the, the cage itself. So it, it just, you know, insulting people's intelligence that you're trying to get these tables and chairs now in 2020 dress, I feel it, you're insulting me. Because, you know, if I'm on the other side and you're trying to get the tables, I'm fighting you not to get the tables. I'm trying to play defense. Right. At least. For lethal lockdown, it's fucking there. So this way you can play defense and you're both trying to get what is, you know, get the prop. What say UTW about that? I think that's what makes it better than war games and blood against now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you got to work for it. You got to get up there. 
Yeah. You know, the same logic could be that the people that didn't want no part of that shit stayed down there, and they did. You know, them big dudes didn't climb up there. I mean, James Storm's not small, but the mm-hmm. other dudes didn't climb up there, and they, so you almost end up having two different matches, the guys with the gimmicks, the but guys it, with... But it's available and visible. Yes. It's not like you have I to liked do... it. I, I liked it a lot. I, I, I would watch it again. Um, I mean, you know, other matches. I don't want to watch the same damn one over and over again, but I literally thought all these years that the lethal lockdown was... One on one on one on one on one. I didn't know it was teams. Mm-mm. I had no idea it was war games like. You're, you're confusing the six man escape thing with legal lockdown. Don't even, they had it. Don't even know what that is. You we you just saw it. It was the the beginning of this pay per view. The six man escape. Oh, that damn thing. Yeah. That's what you're confusing. Oh, that that's one on one on one. With the weapons, I thought the weapons came down yeah. and. You know, I thought it was like Elimination Chamber, where two guys start, and a third guy comes in, and a fourth guy, and a fifth guy, oh. then the weapons dropped. I didn't know it was five guys on each side. Right. Or, eight, you know, four and four, five on five. But neither here nor there reflections. But, but again, Lethal Lockdown does have more positives than the War Games and Bloody Guts today, in my humble opinion. So let's close this out, TW, and talk about the main event, what people came to see. Samoa Joe putting his career on the line because he was chasing he, he was chasing destiny. He wanted to become the TNA heavyweight champion of the world, and he had to challenge. He had to get Kurt Angle to agree to this. And Kurt Angle, being the manipulative man, the, the cerebral man, forced Samoa Joe to put his career on the line. And, of course, this is the main event for the pay-per-view. You talked about Frank Trigg, who was kind of like – playing kayfabe in a sense being com- in the commentary role if you will reflectionites he was cheering more for kurt angle and he felt that kurt angle with his experience in the ring his wrestling experience his wrestling expertise main eventing pay-per-views across the world tw it was a no-brainer to say kurt angle was going to win samoa joe had a lot to lose or you could say he had nothing to lose because he just put his career on the line because he wanted that heavyweight title but TW, the backstory is this this feud was going on since 2006 from November of 2006. And we're going to April of 2008. This is a year and change feud between these guys. This is, you know, we can talk about greatest rivalries. We could do a pro spotlight. I'm sorry. Match number five between them. I forget the count. But, yeah, we, we probably by this was match number five. But we. By the time we get to TNA lockdown 2008, so let's say UTW about you know the the semantics here, you know the ambiance of Frank Trigg, and of course again Samoa Joe putting his career on the line, and you know the presentation of Kurt Angle because he took this this was UFC, this was like he felt like Dana White booked this match to get into this situation, and he looked like a UFC fighter. He had no boots on, he had no knee pads, you know he but taped never his feet. barefoot again. He almost right. died seven times wrestling barefoot, dude. So what say you about the appearance and, and the ambiance of this main event here? Uh, so long time ago, uh, especially around then, I had no love for Samoa Slope. Um, mm-hmm. What won me over with him was when he got released and then came back and then ended up doing the NXT stuff and he got hurt again. Uh He's one of the few guys I will not fault for going to AEW. What else was he supposed to do? He tried not to the first time. He came back, and then, then McMahon screwed him, and he did it again. Um, I like how AEW uses him um, and all that, but back here, not a fan. 
not not a fan, but I thought he did great in this match. And one thing I didn't like about this match was it's a hard sell for me when you're telling me a guy's dream is to be the TNA heavyweight champion. When no, it's not. No, his dream is so you got elements of the Shawn Michaels boyhood dream here. He does very, very little of that Shawn Michaels shit at the finish, uh, which mm-hmm. you can tell he's probably uncomfortable doing because it doesn't really fit his gimmick. You know, what's the, what's the chant for Joe? Joe's going to kill you, right? That's that's his whole deal. So having so you that. Did, you, did, you did not like the attempt to humanize the killer, Samoa Joe. Right. And maybe if I watch the whole buildup, you know, week to week, maybe I feel differently. But I thought Kurt looked like a million bucks, man. Like, he looked to be in the best shape of his life. He's another guy where um, I wish he would have never left WWE. He's actually stated that recently, that he thinks of all the stuff he could have done if he stayed. Um, My problem with him leaving isn't necessarily him leaving. I, I get it. You know, what more could you have done there? But that's not why he left. He left because of drugs. And the fact that they fired him so he'd get help because he wouldn't listen to him. And this wasn't a Booker T situation. This dude was on the brink of killing himself with painkillers. He, um, he was on the brink, but also there was a little bit of an ego because he felt right. like ECW was a demotion. And again, I could say, right, yeah. Right. But, I'm, but I'm saying for this dude to get fired so that he would go to rehab and instead goes there and signs the biggest contract they ever handed out. It, it bothered me because, like, I, I, every week I waited to find out this dude died. He got Brian Pillman. Like, they show up at the show, and uh, we found Kurt Angle in his hotel room. Like, I thought that call was coming, right? And so hindsight, yeah, it worked out. And and hindsight, I'm glad he went there because if Kurt's not there, I don't know the impact's still around today. I don't know that AJ's the star he is. I don't know that Samoa Joe's the star he is. I don't mm-hmm. know that James Storm and James Storm, I think, could have been way bigger star. Uh, but, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I, Kurt Angle, you know, wrestled elevated. James Storm. He wrestled yeah. Bobby Roode. He wrestled AJ. Bobby he wrestled the elevated those guys. Yeah. And, and and I think it's a good thing that he went there. And, and it's not like he went there. It, it's not Bret Hart and WCW, right? Like, we would all agree if we could undo that, we would. But it, he went there and had an awesome what seven he, eight he, years he went there to have bangers but he knew at least he was given the 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 brass ring he was given the torch to torch. carry a company on his back and he took that he took that responsibility whether he was high or not tw that's that's neither here nor there but he took it seriously oh, when he was it was about not being in pain dude and yeah. the reason you end up taking more but and he, more so when work. you take Adderall, when you take all those painkillers, you are high. So you, you're high on, you know, trying but to not feel, was not feel the numbing pain. Yeah. His motive but, was to not hurt. Yeah. But again, and, and another good thing about going to TNA was even though right now at 50 something years old, his body is brittled because of the pain, but TNA's softer schedule and not working so much really helped. Again, like you would say, keep him alive, if, if you will, because he didn't fight 200, 300 times a year. He probably fought half of that, maybe 150, so give or take. So anything in the match that caught your eye or with the presentation? Like you said, it was kind of UFC style because it was more submission-based. It was more, I I want to say, amateur wrestling-based because he wanted to prove, Kurt Angle wanted to prove he was the greatest wrestler in the world for a reason. There was a point in the beginning where I thought they're shooting like like they're really like, hey, let's go out there and just shoot. 
and then we'll mm-hmm. work the other stuff in later. Um, they did some, like, I think you'd appreciate it, but maybe even you don't even catch. They did so many awesome nuances where, like, the reversals, like, they're so sudden that you don't realize it's a reversal. It just looks like Kirk did a move, right? Like, okay. the, the way he did a single leg before he put him in the first, uh, the figure four. He put him in the figure four for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't like some. It almost looked like Samoa Joe channeled Hulk Hogan a couple times where he's just dead in the water. And then he's like, fuck it, rolls over his back and then kicks him off. Like it was the easiest thing he did in the whole match. I didn't like that, but I get it. Mm-hmm. It was selling an adrenaline surge. Like, oh, I could just flip to my back. Um, but my favorite spot, um, one of the coolest finishes of all times is Michaels Austin, <laughs> WrestleMania where they fucking reverse the stunner super kick so many times your head spinning by the time they do hit one and you're like, wow, like it just went smooth. Perfect. I'll bet you if I go back and watch it, it ain't as perfect and smooth as I thought it was live, you know, mm-hmm. but those, and I think ever since Sean Brett or Sean Austin mania 14, is that 14 ever since that match? I feel like people do it too much where they're trading off blocking each other's finish. Um, I love that Kurt turned the muscle buster into a sunset flip into an ankle lock. It was so well done because in the muscle buster, there's no part of the person watching that thinks, oh, this is going to turn into an ankle lock. There's no Mm -hmm. there's no way in hell you think that's happening. Right. So the way he twisted did the sunset flip didn't go for the pin and just rolled him over. And I like that they kept going back to it. Um, I like that Trigg sold him grabbing the ropes. You can't do that in UFC. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. in UFC, they don't have ropes. So it almost, by Trigg acknowledging he grabbed the ropes to break the hold, it's still UFC style because you can't do that in UFC because there's no ropes. Grabbing the fence yeah. to stop the thing. But they didn't grab the fence. They grabbed the ropes. So I think they did a good job of making it look shoot, but not. The best part of them is the thing I critiqued in the beginning. The best part of it, because when you just do a straight fake shoot, it's boring. They mm-hmm. did enough off the ropes, but not whipping each other off the rope. I like that Kurt, when the when the figure four got reversed, he let it go and went to a headlock. That's a UFC thing where you're trying an ankle pick and you can't get it. And you switch to an arm bar. So I like mm-hmm. that. I, I think they did a lot of stuff that made it look like a shoot. And then, but also when you get a back elbow off a fucking return from the rope, the fakest thing in wrestling is getting whipped to the rope and coming back. Like, why would you do it? Right. So at the end of the day, Reflectionites, the boyhood dream came true for Samojo as he became the new TNA world heavyweight champion. So TW, let's put this in a bow about TNA lockdown. 2008 if we're gonna you know we haven't graded something in a in a long time especially we haven't done pay-per-views in a while so you know for the purposes of why we did it and the motivation why i did this episode the tribute to don west with his commentary the tribute you know with this gimmick pay-per-view so i'm gonna give it for every for for the circumstances that we did this i'm gonna give this a b plus don west Gimmick pay-per-views. Of course, not every every match was, you know, a banger. There was some bad matches. The women's match, you, you had the outlaws fighting each other. I didn't really care for. I stayed true, tried and true to the matches I was interested in. And we gave it, you know, we gave the credence that to, to the ones we were talking about, especially the double main event. And, of course, War Games kind of saves it for me. So I give it a B plus. What say you, TW, and put a bow in it? 
I am going to raise your B plus, and I'm going to give just a regular A for TNA. And the reason is there's not a bad match for me. They're all okay. Some better than others. There's bad concepts. But the mm -hmm. two that I had the biggest problem with were that climbing into the cage to have a singles match and the tag team match where people got handcuffed. But I liked the actual tag team match. Like, I liked what they did. I, I, and, and look, I don't, I'm not big on that super EY shit either, right? Mm -hmm. But because it's comedy, when he got handcuffed, I straight up thought the match was over. And when he walked out and it was Pitbull number three, Saturn came to the damn cage. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, the camera was on him the whole time, and I didn't figure out that they were handcuffed in the wrong hand. That's mm -hmm. that's well done. And then Dustin Rhodes, by the way, how do, how do we not bring this up? <coughs> Absolutely. If you want to feel good about Dustin Rhodes, watch this match. Know that it is 15 years ago. And then look at Dustin today. Thank God Dustin came back from whatever dark place that dude was in because when EY picked him up to do his little finish or mm -hmm. take him to the rope, whatever, that had to be the biggest Dustin's ever been, dude. He he didn't even tuck his shirt. Remember the remember the gold dust was like a he was whatever. He was fat and he was high. He was on his painkillers and he and he just looked. He had very yeah. He had a very Carrie Von Eric look in his face. Like he was there physically, but he was mm -hmm. not there mentally. And so kudos to come back because that looked like end of days time for Dustin there. Like he just looked terrible. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I don't mean terrible wrestling. I meant like bad shape. Like like right. So you didn't you didn't wish for him to be that. Yeah, we right. don't wish for him. Yeah, and so to see that made mm -hmm. me so grateful. And then, then the women. Again, I remember Roxy Le LeBou or whatever. LeBou. Uh, and I know there was a time when they were trying to push Angelina Love, uh, who I think Velvet was always better than her. Um, but their match wasn't terrible. Uh, the awesome Kong match that we didn't talk about, uh, even though it's reeked of glow wrestling. That chick mm -hmm. that dressed like the Syrian nightmare on glow. Raisha Saeed. The only thing I can think is she was somebody under there that couldn't wrestle on TV yet because it made no sense for her to wrestle in a full-on fucking nurse outfit with a damn ski jacket and a hood. Mm -hmm. But she right. did, but she did stuff like she was a trained wrestler. So I can't remember who they wrestled. Gail Kim and ODB. Oh yeah, Gail Kim and <laughs> Jesus. Gail Kim and club outfit. Um, but no, I I think again, man, this. This opened my eyes to the fact that I could watch a wrestling show where every match was a cage match. I thought for sure I'd be bored to sleep, but they made everyone just enough different. I mean, they were all different. They Every single match was different. You had an escape match. You had a fucking escape into the match to have a match. You had a handcuff to the cage match. You had a regular tag match. You had the weapons everywhere, and then you had a UFC-style match. So they did an awesome, awesome job. And, and I, I actually am... You know, I, I never, ever was going to tell you. I was It was only 242, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I hated that commercials kept. It almost made me pay for TNA on YouTube because the commercials kept coming on every so often in places they shouldn't have. Like, not after mm -hmm. a minute, in the middle of it. And uh, well, I, I can't I can't stop that. So I can right. only give you what I but could. If, if I had, you know, my hand on the trigger, I could skip it after five seconds. And most of the time I did. Um mm -hmm. And, and, and it's not so much the problem of seeing a commercial. It's they show the same damn ones over and over again. It's like, all right, you just taught me how to ever buy your shit. 
because you just overdid it. But I, I like it. It's a uh, that watching this made me realize that I that <clears throat> I really bad mouth you know TNA. I just didn't like what they did in 2010, and that's when I just stopped paying attention. In the beginning, like you, I was all for it. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Plus, I had friends there, and I had so in essence. And delusions of being part of the Canadian group. Because, no. by the way, I had my own CIA, Canadian Imperial Alliance. We did all that stuff here in Michigan before they did it. We didn't do it like they did. They did a Team mm -hmm. Canada thing like hockey. Um, I'm not saying they stole our gimmick, but they mm -hmm. did a Canadian theme. But uh, I, I I, always pulled for them until 2010. Um, had no idea Bishop, or not Bishop, uh, Russo was there that early. Um, mm -hmm. But it made me... Not even wish that I paid more attention to Impact. It made me realize that I did, right? It made me realize yeah. that I, I, there was no one in there that I didn't. There are there, well, are there but TW, but that TW. I don't like. Yeah, you agree with me that this pay per view is an example that they peaked at that time. It's it's you, all good stuff, man. It's absolutely yeah. if and and oh, and the one thing I was gonna bring up too is um the uh. The crowd, you stunned me when you said it was only 5,500 people. That's one of the hardest parts for me watching Impact now is that they're wrestling in the fucking TV studio in my high school, right? Like, it's so small that it's like, if the crowd's into it, it's not so hard, but it's mm -hmm. hard to see that. And when I saw that audience, dude, I, I absolutely, and I know some days it is, but not always, when you say 5,500 the crowd for this show looked bigger than a dynamite. It looked way bigger than a dynamite, or especially Rampage. Well, Rampage and Dynamite usually at the same place. But mm -hmm. it's it, you telling me it's fifty five hundred. It's like whoa! Like they must have had the fisheye lens to make it look bigger than it was. But Probably they so. were awesome. The crowd was awesome on top of it. Another thing about Don West, I like how he was out there with the people asking who's going to win, who's going to win, and then Tanay did it. I I like the interacting with the fans. Um, mm -hmm. This, you, you peaked, yeah, so for sure. And it's no shot. But like I said, are there periods of impact that I don't like? I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of the main event mafia. Um, a lot of times when I turned it on and I saw Sting being Joker Sting, didn't like that stuff. That's um, later on, but neither here nor there, TW. No, no, I, I, I get you, I get you. Ran out of ideas, but it's also yeah. they ran out of people because people were leaving by the pound and – Russo, Bischoff, you got you got the yeah. carousel of doom yeah. that thank WCW when you started bringing in more writers and stuff like that. Well, you know, we talk so much. You give it an A, I gave it a B plus. And with that being said, we close on this episodic episode, episode number one six three. Ray one six three, TNA presents Lockdown two thousand eight from Lowell, Massachusetts. So TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. <laughs> Um, so we're not doing the first one, right? Hey, Absolutely this, not. This guy right here. And this is a chase in the blue impact hall of fame right there. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. I don't think you're ready for this. You're not ready for this jelly. Oh, you got the dingo warrior. Dingo. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we got the Hameen media group at podbean.com or the HME channel attitude.com. Our show is at PW Reflection. Uh, Travis, I brought you up. I'm going to get your thing out there again at Nuts and Volts PW. Um, obviously, Big Ray can't do it without the James Brown of podcasting. Uh, at B 
Big Ray Hernandez. That's his Twitter. That's his Instagram. That's his Snapchat. That's his TikTok. That's his Grinder. That's his uh, Ashley. What's it called? Ashley May. Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Also, the brother site, uh, Billy Madison. It's that one too. Um, Mm -hmm. We can't do any of this without him. Uh, He's always apologizing to us, you know, and it's like, man, I just want to call him one day. It's been a while since him and I had a phone call. I just want to call him one day and say, dude, like, as I'm listening to our show today, and he puts the Which clip. Which is a miracle. It's a miracle reflection night. Yes. There's there's one thing that's going to put me to sleep easier than listening to a podcast on my work van driving an hour and listening to myself on an hour drive. So, mm-hmm. but but Ray said something about you and I were hilarious. So, I wanted to listen to it back to see if we were. I think he's crazy, but thanks for the compliment. I mean, we're funny. Don't get me wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but anyways, uh, he, when I was listening to it and, and him putting them clips in there, if I'm not mistaken, he took the clip that I watched on the Peacock because it was the fake war machine when Taz came to the ring. So he's taking this effort to snip and take stuff and produce mm-hmm. our stuff. So I hope I hope you know, Ray, how much we both appreciate you and and – you know, we might only have 14 people listening to us, but we'd have zero if it wasn't for Ray putting the production behind it, the intros, the music, mm-hmm. uh, the posting it for us, all of it. And and so I hope Ray understands that we we absolutely appreciate it. So uh, then you got BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com. Last week we featured him on the show. Uh, Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Grant Brand. Where you can help him and Noel out and watch their stuff. And then mine at Tommy Wonder19 is Twitter and Instagram. Snapchat's number wonder. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. And then TikTok and my other Twitter is at the Tommy Wonder for those. And then dum dum doing an idiot. I'm I'm just gonna stop promising videos because apparently they're never coming. Watch our greatest hits. Watch our archives. Uh, okay, at least you're honest there. So <laughs> in, in, in terms of being funny, I have to at least give a shout out to Donna Destruction because he slid in the DMs. You know, you know, Donna Destruction popped. Do you remember where he popped? In this, You didn't listen to this show. But remember I said when you was opening the goddamn fucking uh, the wrapper the back then and I said, Damn, you're disturbing Donna Destruction's workout. And he said, don't disturb his room. Donna Destruction popped for that scenario of what we were talking about when you was open it, infuriating the professor and you saying, don't disturb Don's groove. So, you know, I just wanted to give <laughs> a props to Donna Destruction. You know, you say we're not funny, but again, you say we are funny, but again, you don't know where he, we're funny. He sent me a message today. Uh, I mean, I'm going to read it because I don't want to bla- bastardize it. Uh, he said, it is so cool to hear all the wrestlers you wrestled. And I said, thanks, brother. I wish I'd done more with it, but I enjoyed my ride for sure. So for him to send me that message out of nowhere, that was pretty awesome. I, I appreciate Don. Don and I go back to the Puck podcast. We both listen to that. Uh, he's a Colorado Avalanche fan, so we should be enemies by birthright. Um, mm-hmm. Avalanche is no, it was, was it the Avalanche just smoked the wings on Martin Luther King Day? I think it was. Um but we should be enemies, but our love of hockey turned into our, also our love of wrestling. So absolutely appreciate Don, the Don of Destruction. Absolutely. Don of Destruction, a reflectionite for life. And you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPRF, that's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by A-Track Brown, this will be on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. 
follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi Wan You Know Me, and the King of the Reactions, Eight Track Brown at the number eight, T R A C Brown. What are we gonna do next time, Reflection Ice? I don't know. I want to do one. What do you want to do? Because we're always doing your favorite. I don't know if we've ever even done one of my favorites. I always, I gave you shows, I gave you props of, of shows, too. I, gave, I did once or twice. No, you, well, you've done my favorite matches. I don't think we've ever done a one-hour UWF show. Just yes, start we did. Yes, we, yes, we did. No, we might have done Mid-South. We didn't do no damn UWF. I, so we I did UWF. Thinking, we should do the one where it was leading up to Duggan versus One Man Gang in the Loser Leaves Town cage match for the world title. Is it, is it on the cock? There's no UWF on the cock. They only have Mid-South. Again, the hard part is trying to find this stuff. We can I find UWF. Dude, you find some of the most fucking brutal footage of everything on YouTube. Let me look. Let me type in. If you, you can find it, it. UWF Power Hour? What the hell was it called? You, you're probably UWF Pro Wrestling. But anyway, we'll keep you on your toes, Reflection Nights. We'll keep you on your toes. We might do a UWF show. We might do another episodic. We might do going to the movies. We might do a spotlight. We might do greatest robberies. We might do a what if. So we'll keep you on your toes, Reflection Nights. We'll keep you on your toes. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, Dr. Freakenstein himself. Tommy Wonder saying goodnight. And we'll see you next time here at the PWR Podcast at the PWSL Networks at PodBeam.com. So say peace, TW, and then we'll talk about this off the air. Peace. Love recycle. Oh, all right, and always love recycle. Go electric stove. Listen, we gotta watch it.